Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 325 of the podcast with my marvelous guest, Teresa McElroy. I feel certain you're going to enjoy it. When was the last time I said, listen, I'm not sure you're going to enjoy this one. You know why? Because my guests are fantastic and I'm very, very lucky to have them. I am very, very excited because for those of you who are listening to this episode, as it drops or soon thereafter, I will be in Nashville at PodX. You have heard me talking about it before. Uh, I cannot wait on Friday. I will be doing a special live JV Club episode with Susan Simpson, the smartest person in the world, also known as The View from LL2 on Undisclosed. Uh, she is a, a hero of mine, so I cannot wait to meet her. And I'm so excited that she agreed to be my guest. I also have a late uh, breaking news announcement that Jenny Tolman, whose recent uh, JV Club episode is available to you right now, will be my musical guest. She lives in Nashville. She's going to sing a couple songs on the show. So I cannot wait. If you have not bought your tickets to PodX and you're in the area and you think, you know what, this is the thing that's going to push it over the top for me, you can go to podx.com slash JV Club for discounted tickets and of course podx.com has all the information about my schedule but again I've got that on Friday I'm going to be doing a live episode of Voyage to the Stars I'm going to be doing a live episode of Is This Adulting with Hal Lublin uh, I can't wait to see good buddies like Harry Poppy it, listen it's going to be a great time I hope to see some of you there and uh, for now please enjoy this episode with the lovely and wonderful Teresa McElroy discovered that there's a thing um, in LA and I'm wondering if maybe this is something that exists elsewhere as well. In some ways it seems very like, of course LA would have this and in some ways it feels like wait, why wouldn't every single city have something like this? Which is a sort of version of the Amazing Race. Um, so it's called LA okay. City Race and you sign up for it and you are, you know, you're totally, do it's the honor system like they assume you're not using your phone um, you, you you know, you have to be willing to, I guess, cheat and be a total dick to uh, if, if you're going to if you're going to play it in a cheaty kind of way. But um, because because there's so much to it that you're actually like there's foot race stuff, but you're also driving. They also assume you're not mm. going to get into a horrible accident on LA's freeways. But uh, but it's like a half day affair where, you know, you're given a clue packet and uh, that kind of gets um added to over the course of the day and there's like you know museums and historical places and they really takes you all over the place uh and what I discovered about myself is that I get <laughs> really wrapped up in it and um <laughs> it's like I and I and I and I'm clearly making a decision to become a child like I feel some kind of switch click where flip where I'm sort of like I, I'm excited that I'm getting excited, so I try to make it more exciting for myself. And I guess certainly, yeah, yeah, right. And so part of that is that I do go into this instinctual mode where everything I say, if it's a point that I feel significant, I will repeat it in a sort of a anxious robot voice. Like I'll be like, "Turn left here. Turn left here." <laughs> like it's exactly the same like it's a complete it's just a it's a total repeat of the last thing i've said nothing changes the intonation doesn't change it's like i think they mean watts tower i think they mean watts tower <laughs> like even long sentences 
Yep. So I'm not surprised at all. But, you know, the only thing that's missing from that is that I don't say, I think it's at Watts Tower. Repeat. I think it's at Watts Tower. (laughs) But now I realize I want to try to incorporate that as well, if there's any way to. Yeah. Get it in there. Uh, I think that we have something similar. Uh, I mean, not citywide here in Cincinnati, but there are definitely there's a a puzzle crawl company uh, that they do like a puzzly thing with pub crawl Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so you're not encouraged to drive because you are drinking (laughs) that's probably um that's probably it's a it's a mostly a foot race thing where you go to different bars and you solve puzzles and you realize that you're getting slower and dumber as the game wears on uh not everyone is required to drink obviously um but it's you know it makes it more fun that way (laughs) that's actually the biggest incentive i would have to pub crawl because i am not really a drinker so if i were Mm. if i had an activity that would keep me engaged uh while everybody else was knocking them back that would probably that might work except for aforementioned i might turn into like a dictator who's like well, come on guys keep what are you the doing team moving yeah yeah what you keep them moving think think McElroy, put your brain back on what's going on drunky travis would probably not like drink while doing it he is very competitive i guess um, i guess i already which makes us a good that. team yeah. oh yeah because he's you're not very competitive and i'm not at all i'm like whatevs i do think that that's it's that is not a bad thing when when any duo, whether it's, uh, you know, a couple or siblings or friends, it's can be helpful when somebody can sort of be a little more chill about stuff like that. We, we balance each other well. D- and th- is that true of you across the board? Like it's because it, sometimes people we sort of take on. It's that thing where like if I'm afraid of something, but someone I'm with is afraid of something more, I can sort of step up and not be that at all, um, even if I'm not like it may not even be intentional. Um, and so mm. I have friends that are very competitive and, and that completely zaps my competitive spirit. Like it, it does sort of by default, I end up kind of being like, well, I guess that's maybe one too many like intense people. I'm very <laughs> comfortable, like playing both sides sort of Do you, does that ever kind of kick in for you or, uh, have you always sort of just been like, no, no, it's more of a team spirit kind of thing or, I, I can see it in other places in my life where it has where when I recognize a trait in someone else from myself, I can kind of like step back like you were talking about. Yeah. But not as far as like competitiveness goes. One of one of the things uh, that Travis really hates about it when I play games like tabletop games mm-hmm. is I have a hard time like with the idea of lying during a game, which is one of the reasons I don't play specific games because you have to lie. Oh, Um, sure. It's, it just doesn't, I like, why? I don't care. (laughs) This is a game. I'm not going to lie. And so uh, when I don't lie and I win, Travis hates that. (laughs) He hates that. I love that he hates that you're breaking the rules by being, a better honest person 
How well, dare like, you come out on top? This is the game. I know. You're supposed to lie. I'm I like, know. no, I don't want Wait, to. Now, what are so? So, let, give me some examples of of games where you lie. Also, clearly, the game Werewolf, for example, which yes. is not so much a tabletop game that I that I at least not the way I, I've played it. But um, yes, that is definitely the game that brings out um, whatever level on the psychopath scale we all may or may not have. <laughs> um, uh, I. I secretly um, harbor the the hope that at least one person that um, regularly likes to play werewolf with this group of people in Los Angeles may be a very mild, nonviolent psychopath and is just fascinated Whoa. by <laughs> fascinated by human behavior and fascinated by seeing like how how people behave in a in a casual social environment that also involves mass deception. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one game? It's kind of like, is it called Sherwood something? The Sheriff of, it's like Sheriff of Nottingham. Like it's where um, you have people, one person is the sheriff and you're trying to sneak goods past the sheriff. I don't know that I've ever played it. Is it the same kind of game? Is it the same kind of thing where there's, where it's sort of a social lying game like Werewolf? Yes. Or is it? Yeah. Well, sort of in the way of like, so you're trying to sneak goods past the sheriff and the way that you you kind of get the sheriff to either like turn a blind eye by bribing them oh, or okay. you just out and out say, I have three apples in like this little packet, your cards or whatever. You put your cards in this little packet and you're like, I'm I'm I have three apples that I'm going to go sell at the market. And the sheriff is like, that's cool. Great. But really in it, you've put like. I, I don't know what the contraband is. We put some <laughs> contraband in it. And Strawberries. <laughs> the very most dangerous fruit. And the person who, I guess, gets the most contraband in or doesn't get caught wins i think that's i think that's what it is maybe i need to internet a little bit and figure out what it is i gotta tell you that does appeal to me because i do like the idea of taking it down a notch from someone being brutally murdered overnight in their bed which is apparently what werewolf and or murderer or whatever else that particular game is called i there's there's two layers that exist for me when playing those games and i'm sure it has very much to do with like you know now i'm an actor and like Mm -hmm. that's an annoying thing where now you sort of get paid to tell yourself that it's okay to pretend to be someone else or whatever but I don't I really am bad at playing pranks on people I don't like it it doesn't thrill me like for the most part um my most kind of rehashed version of this is at Sketchfest. we had this wonderful sweet diligent smart terrific um guest services coordinator who now works full-time at Pixar and she's just wonderful and I call her true grit because she could just get through anything with a smile on her face and um and we had someone in town and oh they were like gonna go get dinner there was some sort of thing where like we were winding down the festival had been going really well and someone said oh you should tell true grit that so-and-so like Danny DeVito needs to be picked up at this restaurant way out in Pacific Heights and he didn't tell us that he was going to be there let's just just do a quick prank on her real quick that you know that he needs to be picked up and otherwise he's going to be late for the show and um and I was like oh but that's going to stress her out so much and like I know but she's gonna be so relieved and she'll laugh I mean it's a prank like we play pranks on each other and so I reluctantly agreed and I 
sent her a text. I was able to get through the point of sending her a text that said like, hey, we have a problem. Danny DeVito just told us he's, you know, 50 minutes away and needs a ride and the show's about to start and then call me. And then as soon as I answer the phone, I was like, yeah, this is a real, I can't do this to you. Everything's fine. It's a prank. It's a prank. And everyone was like, shut up. What are you doing? Um, well, that's but- the difference, right? Because when you're acting or, or, or something like that, it's everyone is playing the game but when you're yeah, doing a prank point. on someone they're not playing like they think it's real i don't like people being suckered and i can't so i can't watch any of the like sasha baron cohen movies oh, i can't no, even I can't bad either. people i'm still i get so uncomfortable i get real shifty in my chair it's like i have bugs crawling on me yeah i that's the same way with like mr bean right because he is playing a different game than everyone else Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I can't handle it I couldn't watch The Office for a very long time and I still have to skip some um some different episodes that I know are particularly bad oh of the American office yeah Uh, I've never seen the British office I I know that it's not it is not for me but yeah they're just not all playing the same game and that's that's something that is really hard for me to watch. I totally get it. I've never I actually have never. I, this is a terrible thing to admit because I have friends on the show. I, I, I don't I never watched the American office. But that for me, uh, as many people who listen to my podcast know, is because I once I came down here and started like working on comedies, it just became not an escape at all. In, in part because right. I have friends on it. Like I can watch yeah. them in something and be like, oh, they're so great in that. And like, oh, they're so talented and wonderful. But it may not be a thing I come back to over and over again as an escape because all mm-hmm. I think is like, oh, I want to call Oscar. Oh, I miss Ursula. Like it just becomes sort of a, <laughs> a, a life opportunity for me to feel guilty that I don't see someone I love. Um, but, uh, but, but I do like watching dramas. But I will agree with you uh, that yes, if it, I I didn't know that that element really existed of the American office, but certainly the British office is uncomfortable. And as you know, Ricky Gervais is sort of famous for those kinds of situations. And mm-hmm. I felt that way about I think it was probably extras. I couldn't watch it because I just would get really uncomfortable um, with that sort of energy. And uh, yes, yes, yeah. I, uh, there was a point where um, we had a our couch situated in our living room where it kind of divides the room and I would literally walk behind the couch so I didn't have to see things on the television. <laughs> you're so, you're a sensitive. Yeah. There's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Or do you have brothers and sisters yourself? Yes, I do. I have two sisters, one older and one younger, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the ways that Travis and I bonded. He also is a middle child yeah. of two brothers, one older, one younger. I mean, listen, if your parents had accidentally gotten married and you Brady bunched, you guys absolutely would, it would be uh, weird. A, be yeah, really a weird. relationship <laughs> would be very much frowned upon, I'm afraid, by the sitcom community. Um <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hold up. 
Hey, I'm Aneke. And I'm James. And together, we are the self-proclaimed wonder twins of podcasting and host Minority Corner. We tackle subjects like LGBTQ topics, pop culture, and untold histories of American POCs, like the true story of escaped slave turned pirate turned Navy man in the Civil War turned congressman Robert Smalls. Plus, current events from our perspective. Deep dive movie and TV reviews. You'll also get awesome book recommendations from their neighborhood-friendly librarian. Don't forget my award-winning Jennifer Hudson impressions. And I'm telling you. While never taking ourselves too seriously. Minority Corner. Because together. We're the majority. Every Friday here on Maximum Maximum Fun. Fun. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Beaver Creek, Ohio, which is a little suburb. Well, not so little anymore, which is a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. Okay. God, there's a lot of places in Ohio I've never been. Principally the entire state, but... Um, but I, but it's one of the, but I say that because it is a state there where, where once you start being named cities, you're like, oh yeah, I fully am aware of, of Cincinnati. Oh, I'm fully aware of Cleveland. Oh, I'm fully aware of, of Dayton. Like it's not, you know, there are some states that if you're not familiar with them, you sort of, you, you sort of know one, one city name and then you kind of, everything else is a wash. Like you just don't have right. associations yes. with it. And Ohio is yes. absolutely not that. It is a place where it's like, I've heard so much about various elements of Ohio that I'm like, it's kind of weird that I haven't been there yet because for some reason it's like very, it's a, it's a, it's a very present state if even if you haven't been there i don't know if that makes any sense at all but well i have to say when i saw um in 30 rock when they went to cleveland i was like oh my gosh my state my state's on television <laughs> my state even on though television. i don't live anywhere near uh-huh. cleveland it's the opposite side but i was like finally some recognition in the world of entertainment <laughs> that's right well that's kind of interesting because of what you've ended up doing and you know i mean obviously not every moment of every day but but in Travis's case possibly every moment of every day um but but both of you being kind of steeped in this uh podcasting world that is very much has a tie to some of these sort of more what people would think of as like metropolitan slash cosmopolitan hubs like (laughs) New York and and Los Angeles and stuff um maybe this is a lame ill-formed question but has that been like is that is there a surreality to that at all because you guys didn't end up just you know picking up and moving to Burbank or whatever Um, oh but we did we lived in LA for a couple of years oh I don't know if I knew I I guess I didn't know that or if I did I forgot yeah um I, I think we lived in LA from um the summer of 2014 through the uh, spring of 2016. Okay. Gosh. Maybe so I didn't know we, that and I've forgotten. We lived, at first we lived in Palms, which is right on the edge of Culver City. Um, and then we moved out to the valley to Van Nuys uh, because <laughs> we got priced out of rent. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I hear that. Um, so we, we did live in LA for a while and I think that it was, it was great for Travis, um, because he's a real extrovert yeah, and like definition extrovert. Um, so he was able to kind of overcome a lot of the, 
the LA isms, you know, where yeah. like, especially when we were living in the valley, it was hard to get anyone to come to us, like for parties or to hang out, or like if they lived, you know, in West Hollywood or something, it was just too much of a trek for anybody. Right. Um, so, which is really great because like podcasting can be totally remote. <laughs> right, right. So he was able to to do a lot of that stuff and work around it. Um, but I'm not, I am, I wouldn't say a complete introvert, but um, I'm a homebody. That's yeah, for sure. Me too. So living in LA wasn't really a big thing for me. It felt very much like just normal because I didn't go anywhere really do anything (laughs) (laughs) i worked as a casting assistant for a little while in west hollywood okay um and that was interesting la-ness for me how did that Uh, not in podcasting yeah yeah how did how did that was it like just through friends of a friend of a friend kind of yeah yeah well um a lot of the people from travis's uh college graduating class ended up in LA and one of them um is a is actually a a casting director gotcha um co-director I should say I and so he got me the job because at first I was doing like dog walking and stuff which is great I love dogs but I didn't want to be outside anymore yeah (laughs) yeah inside yeah (laughs) depending on the time of year it's uh that would be a real game changer yeah yeah. Was it commercial so, cast? Uh, listen, first of all, oh. I don't mean to like drill down too deep. The reason that I ask is that when I first moved to L.A., I also worked. I helped uh, and, and did some like, you know, um, casting stuff uh, as well, because I when I was in San Francisco before I came down here, I had kind of, I was sort of dabbling in that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so I and, and the place that I was was a place in West Hollywood. So the, if it sounds like yeah. I'm getting really picky about asking, it's only because it's a kind of a fun coincidence that that's also something that you did. That is really cool. It was um it was a print casting agency, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of commercial stuff, lots of um, pharmaceuticals, um, some like things for for banks and other like commercial things we did a a trident like spread Mm -hmm. which was really fun and benefit cosmetics and and places like that that Um, is also exactly where i was it was a print yeah place um that's funny maybe that's like what goes down in west hollywood unless it was the same place was it pop casting was it pop casting (laughs) no it wasn't okay (laughs) that's about to get crazy um (laughs) Yeah. And I really wasn't involved in the casting process. I was a wrangler. Um, sure, sure. So I, you know, lured all the models to be like, no, no, don't go to the bathroom. Stay in line. <laughs> yeah. Fill out this form. Where's your form? Hand back in the form. I don't know you're here if you haven't signed in. You right. know, all that kind of stuff. Right. At least my, my feelings about those kinds of jobs are having done both that kind of thing and just like straight temping where someone just needs you to come sit at a desk. I would wrangle models uh, all day long forever over sitting at a desk <laughs> at someone else's random company. That made yeah. me insane. So oh, anything wow. that you can sort of move around for me, anything that I could kind Definitely. of move around more was like, yeah, was sort of vital. Um, uh, and so, and then you guys just, and then it was sort of like, what, what, what's the end game here? Oh, do we want to raise our kids here? Like, what are we doing? Right. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I I did get pregnant, and we were like, is this something that we want to subject our parents to, who both live <laughs> in the Midwest? So Fair. my parents still live in Dayton, and his folks uh, live in Huntington. So we were like, uh, maybe we want some free childcare every once in a while, <laughs> um, and not have to fly them to LA. Right. And we also figured out that with the amount we were paying in rent every month. We could pay less in rent in Ohio and fly Travis to L.A. once a month. (laughs) Smart. (laughs) For him to do whatever biz he needs to do, like pack it into one weekend or whatever. Sure. Um, So that was that was the twofold decision. Free childcare and airplanes. Both smart. Both very smart, reasonable uh, decisions. Good process. Um, did you so so in other words kind of what we were um what led us to that uh other than my lack of uh of knowledge of your personal history um did you as a kid growing up in Ohio did you have kind of an interest in entertainment and that kind of thing or were your feelings elsewhere or were you like oh definitely entertainment yeah I was into, let's see, like I was a theater kid. I did show choir, if you're familiar. I certainly wasn't before I started this podcast, but now I feel like I have a really solid grasp of show choir. Yes. I definitely feel Um, like I get it. (laughs) I did speech and debate, which is kind of like adjudicated theater almost yeah but i would say to you that i you we now you've crossed over into another thing that made me uncomfortable because i don't like arguing <laughs> oh i did the speech i was okay. not into oh, debate good. Okay. it's like pure okay. performance i mean not not, not like I'm, not, I'm relieved <laughs> why did i say good because i want us to be the same person evidently um <laughs> like worried for you that you were going to be like I know and debate was a very hard on me <laughs> it would have been hard on me had I done it because it's not my deal not my thing okay everything's checking out everything's yes. checking out yes. yes so I was I was very much into it um and I, I think it might be middle child syndrome coming mm. back to that where like the distraction between the craziness and the peacekeeper, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I've per- been performing my whole life and my parents put us in dance classes really early. Um, I took like 14 years of ballet. Ooh, that's quite a lot. Yeah, you know, turns out I really like ballet, but I do not have a ballerina body. Uh, Me neither. Nor could I ever fully point my toes. I mean, I can try. Oh, really? Well, my my last, I think my toe, listen, Teresa, let's get right down to brass tacks. (laughs) I have what I describe as an elf toe. I have described that in... uh, Professionally, uh, I I have described that to like a running shoe salesperson. I have mm. actually said to them, like, listen, I need a shoe that allows for my elf toe. Um, my big toe, I have very small toes, but my big toe does kind of do this, like, slight curl up. <laughs> where it, like, Okay. It sort of likes to poke at the top of a shoe. Um, I feel I have very cute feet. I do feel I have an elf toe. And so when I try to, my whole life, in, in just taking any kind of dance, like when I try to point my toe, maybe I should take a picture, but that's just going to make like the foot fetishists even more excited than, <laughs> than the fact that I wear sandals to a lot of premieres anyway. Uh, hey, don't, 
Don't let that go for free. Don't let you can I, make listen, money. I on gotta it. get. I gotta start monetizing that. I didn't realize. You should. You should. Uh, I feel that it, it. There's always. There's just like the the actual uh, makeup of my toe does not allow for it to ever get to a full point. There's always a cute little top toe that's mm-hmm. like. Hey guys, don't forget about me. Um, so <laughs> like attention seeking. Yeah, voice. I have a my 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 big toe is like a middle child and needs to not be forgotten or tucked away. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm not a I'm not a, a ballet, but I also had did not take ever like formal ballet. Everything I took was like modern dance that had ballet elements okay. through yeah. you know school and stuff, and I. I think about how hard just that was on my body and I got would get like water on the knee and stuff and uh yep, and yep. I I really have nothing but respect for people who uh are taking ballet for that period of time and I mean I tough. tried for so long I tried for so long to be a dancer and like I was committed I have broken all of my toes dancing oh. not all at once yeah. but but in sequence it seems oh. um I tried for so long, but I just don't. I don't have a ballet body. They don't have it. I I mean, but is is there any part of you that it's like kind of a relief? Just because it seems so punishing? Or was it what was it just a hundred percent a bummer? Um, I mean, I found other ways, you know, like I found ways to do my dancing through theater and musical stuff and, you know, show choir obs. And so <laughs> like <laughs> so it it really wasn't that much of a bummer. Good. It was like, okay, this is just something that my body is not equipped for. Let's let's devote this energy somewhere else. Yeah. Hence theater and speech and debate and show choir and, you know, I don't know, teaching, I guess. Yeah. Was there an in-between ever where you did do kind of the modern dance thing where it's like not it's everything doesn't have to be as kind of precise and exact? Or was it ballet or um, nothing? It was it was pretty much ballet, and we did also like I did some like jazz classes or whatever. We got it. Listen, not... are you a tap dancer? Let's get right down to it. <laughs> I have taken tap classes. I wish I could tap, and dance. I can pretend to tap dance mm-hmm. in a show. <laughs> I can That's look probably, like I might I'm be able to do dancing. that. Yeah, I might be able to pull that off as well. I've taken just enough. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I might be able to convince uh, somebody who doesn't really know tap dancing. If I am in it. a musical with a tap number, yeah. I convince them to take the taps off my shoes Great. so that I don't make any bad sounds, uh-huh. but I can look like I am dancing. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that's it. Like ballet doesn't have a lot of sound to it. So really, you're right. just like, you know, you're sort of converting back into more of a ballet style <laughs> by not having the pressure of those tappity taps. Um, and so, uh, what was the, what, what were the schools like that, that you were going to? What was your high school like? Was it a public school? Was it a private school? It was a public school. Um, I, I feel like I have a really weird upbringing in Beaver Creek because my dad worked in, worked at the Air Force Base. He, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel. And you would think that we would move because he would be, he would be moved places with the Air Force, but he never got moved hmm. so we stayed there my whole childhood and like friends would come and go through mm-hmm. military mm-hmm. but like we never left so I went through the public school system of Beaver Creek um all the way up I graduated you know from kindergarten all the way up um and it was a city on the grow that's for sure mm. 
Um, my high school graduating class was something like 560. Mm. Um, and that was like a small class. Wow. It really only got bigger every year. My, my younger sister graduated, uh, four years after me and her graduating class was like 800. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Did they open, did they eventually open up new schools or did that one school just kind of bloat? Well, so originally when I was going there, they had five um, elementary schools feeding two junior highs, feeding one high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, they have eight elementary schools feeding two middle, no, three middle schools with one high school and an annex. So kind of like one and a half high schools. Right. Um, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's yeah, mind boggling no how, how big it is now. Yeah. Is it, uh, I ask this because my high school absolutely, um, sometime after I graduated did become the like, you know, one of the many <clears throat> American lockdown public metal detector schools. Uh, and, uh, and that sort of blows my mind. Um, is that something that did, did, did that happen? Did, did your school become big enough and sort of urbanized enough just even in terms of like, I mean, I don't, I couldn't tell, I couldn't pinpoint to you why that happened. Cause it happened after I left. Um, I don't think of it as a dangerous school by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if that's just something mm-hmm. that kind of like happened across the board in, in Arizona schools because they just needed to or if there was like a specific reason. I feel like one of the things is like making people feel secure, even if it's just like theater. Right. 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 Uh, like the TSA theater. <laughs> right. Right. Where we definitely got a couple of um, of metal detectors. But, like, you didn't really have to walk through them. That's interesting. They were just kind of there. There was no one policing you going through. And for a while, they tried to make every single student wear, like, an ID badge. Oh, interesting. Uh, that didn't work uh, uh-huh. because, like, they weren't going to turn you away from school if you didn't have it. Oh, yeah. So people just, like, left them places. Sure. Like, it's like, okay, well, you gave me this piece of plastic, but I still go to school here, you know? Right. Um, and for a while, they tried to do clear backpacks and stuff, and that didn't really work either because there was, um, you know, like, like every suburb, not everyone has the same kind of um, affluence. Sure. So they either had to, like, provide backpacks for everybody or not provide them or, like... They've tried several different things while I was there, or at least in the area. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what it is that they settled on. Um, again, just like you, I feel like my school was not not in a dangerous area. You know, super, super like calm suburb. Half of us walk to school most of the time, like... I don't I don't know what they're doing now, but what they were doing when I was there was highly ineffective. <laughs> By design. Good, good job, guys. Good job. <laughs> By design. Oh, well, like amazing. if you're gonna if you're gonna put a, a metal detector in front of a door, you should make it so that you can't go around right, the metal detector. Right. Yeah, that is you amazing should... that they could be like, hey, at any time we could just decide to start using these guys. So let exactly. that let that tell exactly. you. 
Oh boy. Yeah, the if theater. you're gonna if you're gonna make people wear ID badges, you should make them like scan it somewhere or something. Right. But like not just wear it around their neck and like have some kind of consequence for not having it, right? <laughs> like right. Well, you're right. It, it there weird. is a sense of sort of like it's hard not to imagine it's hard not to imagine the actual decision making process being as kind of like milk toast and 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 unenthusiastic as possible. This like that th- there is almost a sense of like, uh, well, let's just do the ID badge thing. I mean, it's not going to work, but uh, <laughs> like they, they like they like you go into it acknowledging it's yeah. it's like immediate defeat. Yep. Oh, boy. Um, were you a good uh, student overall? Did you sort of check all the boxes in, in all your classes, whether you had favorite you know subjects or not? I was a perfectly mediocre student. <laughs> um, I feel like if I had wanted to apply myself and like do homework, I could have been in like the honors classes, but I didn't. Yeah. So I went through like all of the medium levels. They called it scholarship in my school so there was like the general level classes which were for the dumb kids and then um the ap or honors classes where you could get like college credit and i was like meh so i took the middle level scholarship stuff got easy a's and b's because i didn't want to do homework i had too much extracurricular activity going on yeah evidently how did those things uh overlap like were there did you ever have to make painful decisions between trying out for a play and doing like show choir shows or was it all sort of set up so that you could do all of them at once? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I did, I did miss, I believe one show choir competition because of speech and debate. But other than that, I was able to kind of just slide them all in. Um, there was one spring. It was my senior year. I remember this senior spring, where I was at school from 6.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. with Yikes. all my extracurriculars. 6.30? What, yeah, what so was worth that? Uh, speech and debate was uh, before school, starting at 6.30. Oh, my God. And that was the year that I got third in the state. So I went all the way up through state competition. So, like, I was in it to win it. No kidding. Listen, if you're going to be getting um, up that early for anything, yeah. I think you deserve a medal. Yeah. Third in the state. That's fantastic. What was your do? You, what was your like winning? <laughs> Maybe this is a naive non speech and debate expert person asking like if you're like, oh, man, I was known for my like. <laughs> but yeah, did you have like a did you have like a winning like, oh, listen, I'm in my zone now because I'm doing I'm covering nuclear energy. Well, so I was part of the speech section, which was um, my my category was called prose poetry um so it's basically just a staged reading oh okay um where by the end you're completely memorized even though you have to look at the book and hold the book like you're reading it it's really that's like auditioning in los angeles yeah just hold this just hold the sides that shows people that you're not this isn't set in stone but you really do need to do the job as if that you're being filmed and it's going to go out to everyone right um, so that was that was my category there, and that's what I got third in the state. Actually, two years running, junior and senior year. What was the okay? So that's I guess I thought possibly speech would still be it would be like it would be an uncontested, undebated speech, but that it might still be like a an argument or a 
you know, sort of like, and, and that's, and that's why I fellow Americans, (laughs) like. Not the, not the speech category that I was in. Mine was more, I mean, we did, things went in and out of fashion, things that people would win with. Um, my first one was a kind of fractured fairy tale performance. Mm. Um, and then the second one was, uh, pretty much the, like, a, a Kurt Vonnegut, uh, cool. tasting almost. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that that was what was in that year kind Listen, of like I'm more, more poetry kind of stuff and um and it was also in vogue to sing a little bit so <gasps> oh. i did a little bit of that i you know listen, I mean, now i'm getting acapella. now i'm dissatisfied that but. i'm not going to see this performance i'd like to <laughs> i'd like to you know what would be fun would be like to put together some sort of talent show where um, all of our friends had to just do some sort of iteration of something that they would have done in high school to, to and oh, then so wow. you could sort of see what like what you know if it's like a friend of ours who you know used to play trombone and they don't anymore but that's probably what they <laughs> had going for them in high school so we could get to see yep, someone yep. you know surprise us with a little trombone solo. Um, we could see you do your make it so yeah sketch fest i mean that could make be it really so. fun maybe yeah that maybe could that fun. could that could actually be a thing that'd be really fun i would love to see some people do some show choir type stuff <laughs> bell choir oh my gosh yes that's another thing i did not know existed until possibly lenin parham but um yeah that's there's just a lot of singing stuff going on that i did had no part in whatsoever and there was not <laughs> singing in my theater stuff we never did musicals or anything so I was just like singing was such something I was passionate about and was completely absent from my curriculum as a high school student you didn't do like choir or anything I didn't it just never even uh occurred to me for whatever reason Mm. um I mean I was taking guitar lessons uh classical guitar lessons sometimes that we would we would do something that involves singing for that um but other than that I definitely was not like performing and singing the way I'm sure I would have liked to have been uh, mm. the way I did in uh, middle school. I think I, I think I finished <laughs> out my musical experience in uh, my lower before college with uh, Greece. So uh, okay. that was uh, I think that was about as good as it got. Um, Who were you in Greece? I was Sandy. I mean, listen. Oh, of course you I didn't were. want to be. I wanted to be Rizzo. You so little blondie. Bad. I know. I look like Olivia Newton-John, but I really wanted to be Rizzo. <laughs> Oh, did you do what, what, uh, did you do musicals? What musicals did you end up uh, in and what roles? Um, well in high school, uh, that was the year that Les Mis school edition came out and like every high school in the world did it. (laughs) Um, and so I was Fontaine in that. And which one's Fontaine? I'm so sorry. I'm the one person in the world who doesn't know Did you see the movie? Did you see the movie with Anne Hathaway? I I only remember like the Oscar clips. Okay, well I mean it was it's Anne Hathaway's role. She sings, but she's not Fontaine, right? No, she is. Oh, she is. Anne Hathaway was Fontaine. Oh, okay. Oh my God, how lucky for me that you happen to be. I guess that's like the lead girl role, right? Well, there's a lot of really because she dies real early. Oh, but she's only got a couple of songs that makes everyone sob. Yes. Oh. Uh, she dies real early, though. She's not in a lot of the show. <laughs> but how memorable. 
it was fun. It was That's really, really exciting. Fun. Um, and then I actually went to college for musical theater. I have a mas- uh, bachelor's of fine arts in musical theater. Beautiful. So my favorite role, I think, from college is, um, oh my gosh, let me think. Wasn't really a musical. I played Harper in uh, Angels in America Part 1. Oh, that was my favorite role. that would be role. so cool. That was my favorite role. That's and then I was great. also in um, a, a musical called Urine Town. Are oh, you sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. it, but I, I absolutely am very aware of it. So I was, I was the the tiny girl the little kid uh and was there a part of you that did kind of have the broadway aspirations um you know as a musical theater major you go to new york you do that thing Mm -hmm. we had workshops we had stuff like that in new york and it was not my vibe not my scene yeah so i did not really have broadway aspirations um i was more situated like in my soul <laughs> to regional theater. Sure. Uh, because I wanted to be able to like live a life and do theater. And I did for a long time. Um, I was involved with the Children's Theater of Cincinnati for several years. Nice. I did their school touring shows and I did their main stage shows. Um, I worked all around Cincinnati for a little bit. And then... I got I uh, met Travis, who was working as the uh, the technical director at Cincinnati Shakespeare. Um, I got into one of their shows. I did I did um, Love's Labor's Lost mm-hmm. there, and I did um, Julius Caesar, a gender swapped Julius Caesar, nice. which was fun. Always like to hear that. Yep, yep. Lots of ladies, lots of really fierce ladies in that show. Um, and then I turned scenic artist for my now husband. So I went from acting to painting. Uh, and I was still acting at the time, but uh, we, um, after we got married, I had a miscarriage. And so we were like, forget this. We're moving to L.A. We're going to do this podcasting thing. Right. So I kind of left my uh, my acting life behind after we moved to LA and moved back yeah uh everything you're saying and I'm, I'm very by the way very sorry about the the miscarriage and I completely understand how moments like that can sort of like it like in our, in our best moments we're like well we're gonna use this as like a reset button and just sort of yeah you know go, go just do something wild and just see what it feels like and all bets are off because life's weird um exactly totally, and I have totally a beautiful two and a half year old so I know you do I'm I'm you do. very set I'm everything, grateful for everything that happened yeah everything is as it should be um but everything you're describing, I got to tell you, uh, all of that makes so much sense to me. And I think I, I, I 100% feel like it, like there may be, uh, a, a, like a, like a parallel universe thing happening where I have that exact life that you just described of doing regional <laughs> theater. And like, yeah, that is yeah, very yeah. much, I never had, I never thought. Uh, that I would be doing this down here. I never thought that I would be, uh, if anything, I think I thought the same thing. Like I remember being in, because I went to a small college before I moved to San Francisco and 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 going to like the, like the Utah Shakespeare Festival and being like, yeah, this is about my speed. Like this feels... Like I'm, yeah. int- I'm intimidated by it. You know, it's clearly a, like it's a it's a very successful, very very well known Shakespeare festival. There's nothing about it that I'm like, nah, this seems too like 
podunk. Uh, mm-hmm. I was intimidated by it, but I thought I could, you know, I could do this and that would be a really fun, you know, thing to sort of have going on. And then that, then that comes to its natural uh, chronological, you know, end. Uh, yeah. And then I do something else for a part of the year like that, that all makes sense to me in a way that, you know, I definitely never had that sort of like, I'm packing my bags for Broadway, everybody. Like that was just not my relationship to theater. And I, I very much yeah. agreed with the idea of, I mean, for me, it was like, I was, I was, I think terrified of, of the idea of it not being fun or becoming um, something that, you know, would so inform my opinion about myself or my livelihood mm-hmm. that it would become very, very stressful. I think I, I always had the idea of like, well, if I continue doing this, it just has to be on my terms and and for fun. And I love the idea of doing um, like children's rep and and children's theater and stuff like that. And it's just not something that ever fully took shape for me. But I fully can imagine a version of myself right now, like doing that like and then I eventually took over the Arizona Children's Theater so I've been running that for 10 years like I yep, can totally yep. see that I mean that it just feels like one of those life tracks so you get totally. on a train and you go yeah absolutely yeah. but you know you can also get derailed and that's fine too yeah I mean that's who knows yeah too. again who knows it's I think I'm finally like I, I've spent so much of my life not picturing things going any other way like I really was not a planner and I was not um I, I've just I've I feel like people don't understand about me that I've spent so much of my life just feeling like life is happening to me rather mm. than you know making choices um and I don't know that I come off as that kind of person but it's a thousand percent true um, <laughs> so I'm finally at a point in my life where like I am sort of able to look back and go like huh you know, if I just like made some like actual active decisions or more, you know, but the, and I certainly made them. I mean, I decided to leave school and move to San Francisco to establish residency certainly. and all that kind of stuff. But but I but I think I was passive about things that I look back now and think like, well, there was no reason for me to be so passive about that. Like that was something that sounded fun to me. I'm not sure why I I just sort of was <laughs> like, well, someone didn't hand it to me. Like no one said, please join this children's rep. So I guess that's why I didn't like I don't know. Yeah, it's just yeah. weird. It's funny the way that stuff happens. But um, uh, and so what were your what were your friendships like? Did you have kind of uh, groups of friends that kind of scattered all throughout all these different uh, extracurricular activities you were doing? And were you uh, were your friendships kind of baked into how busy you were? Because that's where oh, you would be found. Definitely. Well, so I was not. I don't I'm not I was not a popular kid. I was not an unpopular kid. There was just kind of this group of people who dabbled a little bit in everything. Right. Yeah. So we there were several theater kids. There were several speech kids. There were some tennis kids. There were uh, kids who made their own band. There were kids in the marching band. And like we just we were all almost like we're going to do a little bit of everything. So we're all together all the time. Mm hmm. Um, And this was way before anybody had cell phones, like reliably. Right. So I feel like the only way I got to see my friends was doing all these different extra things. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, That makes sense. I think think my mom had a cell phone for like emergencies because I have asthma pretty bad. Mm. And so I had I have her phone number memorized. It's like the only cell phone number. I mean, I guess I have my husband's memorized now, but... The only cell phone number I really ever memorized was my mother's. Yeah. 
And it was not available for, you know, calling my friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, if I if I wanted to see my friends, that's kind of like we all just got involved with. Mm-hmm. We made made teams of things. There was something called the 24 hour relay for um, kids suicide prevention that we did. And we always had a, a team in that. And so that was 24 hours to spend with your friends. Whoa. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and we didn't live super close, but because the school district was really big. Um, still a lot of farms yeah. in Beaver Creek. Yeah. Still a lot of farms. So I, I really think that maybe one of the reasons why I had so many extracurriculars is because I wanted to hang, hang with my sure, friends. Sure, sure. And did you uh, date? I did. And were the and, and were those people a part of that group to the point where yes. like you would make you have to make sure you had or maybe you couldn't make sure, but like you would sort of hope for an amicable breakup because it was like, well, I'm still going to see this person all the time. Yeah, definitely. That is how it went. Um, and I feel like I was not a kind of person who was like always vying for a boyfriend, mm-hmm. but I seem to always end up going out with a guy for a while. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I mean, so boyfriends were happening to you the way I was having my life happen to me. Yes, I think so. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Uh, but like, I, I think that if I had to go back, I would have not allowed so much boy attention. Um, because I feel like I would rather have relationships with my friends that I like continue to cultivate whereas the boyfriend relationship kind of ends doesn't it yeah it even if you're in the same group yeah you don't you don't hang with that person the way you used to before you were boyfriend girlfriend yeah or you know boyfriend boyfriend girlfriend girlfriend whatever but like you just don't you don't hang with that person the same way. And if I had to do it over again, I would have been like, yeah, I'm good. No, thanks. Let's just all chill. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And together we present Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. We explain the historical significance of everyday etiquette topics, then answer your questions relating to modern life. So join us weekly on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. No RSVP required. Check out Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? So listen, I'm looking at the time. I'm realizing I need to get a smash game with you. It it, it has all happened to me in a mad rush. um, And I don't want to have to jam through this this smash game because I think we're going to have some fun with it. So let me start with a category. Uh, I don't think this will come to a surprise as a surprise to anyone. But I would love to hear uh, three plays or musicals that you would uh, and the role that you would like to play uh if we sort of are taking our fictitious mash universe and 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 putting it out as reality in in a a special world where all bets are off oh my goodness 
there are so many and I'm like not up on my new ones. Um, these are all going to be super old. I think that's perfectly fine. I'm going to say I would love to be Alphaba in, um, in Wicked. Great. That would be fun. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Oh, I was, I was in Legally Blonde, but I was a tertiary character. So I think I'd like to be L. Great. In Legally Blonde. And then, hmm, Eliza in Hamilton. Nice. Uh-huh. Hamilton, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, yeah. let's do three uh, movies that you can jump into. You're just, you're not reliving the plot. You're not a character in it. You're just in that world with those characters, just like living, living whatever life. Oh. Oh, I would I would really like to participate in Pride and Prejudice, the Kira Knightley version. Great. Version, please. Um let's see. And then a world that I can I can I choose like <laughs> cartoons? Is 100%, that okay? <laughs> a thousand percent. It's encouraged. Okay. Um I'm going to say the I would love to live in the world of Ratatouille. Great. Paris. Wonderful. Paris in the cooking world. I think that would be awesome. I love it. Um and I mean, I I'd love to live in Oz, The Wizard of Oz. That'd be great. Great. Great, great, great. Um this is going to get very specific and if it's not a fun question, uh we could change it, but what about like I have a of a, a real love of uh, of scene design also and um, and sort of world building. Is mm-hmm. there uh, is there like are there three shows even if it's not like a, in a play but if it, it it could be a movie or a TV show or something like that that you have thought in the past or or can think of now that would you would be like oh my god if I had the opportunity to design for example the wizard of oz on stage like i i know i've i've kind of had in my back pocket this idea of like how to do that in a really spectacular special way does that make sense oh boy it does make sense it just sounds so hard <laughs> <laughs> and this is assuming you're snapping your fingers and all the work oh, okay, is being yes. done for you i mean everything i'm thinking of is kind of like the same scenes ah uh, I think it would be fun to design a Shakespeare play. So like, I don't know, something heavy like Hamlet. Ooh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, that would be a good one. Right. And then as as long as we're working on classics, let's go for some kind of farce. Oh, you know what? No, let's do bedroom farce. That's a really great set. Great. It's got levels and stuff. Bedroom farce. Love it. Um, and then one more, right? I mean, what about like you're sort of like <laughs> now I'm just I'm just foisting my own fantasies onto you, making you I'm like trying to make you give an answer that I want oh, you to no. give. <laughs> no, but, but 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 hear me out. But like, isn't one of the most fun things to see, especially as a kid, the sort of like outdoors inside, like what like a Midsummer Night's Dream kind of a set where yeah. you know different people have those interpretations, but like how to sort of create that feeling of being outside in a forest. Like mm. that, I always love. Like, how do you pr- how do you how do you take that beyond the proscenium? Like, what do you do to sort of 
like create sound design and you know I feel like I always wanted to be I was always the person who was like we got to get smell vision going guys we got to <laughs> perfect smell vision it's gonna change everything <laughs> it's gonna change the world that's right um how about then I mean that does make a lot of sense I was uh, I enjoyed and yet was sem- uh, sort of disappointed by Jungle Book the movie okay yeah I want to yep. redo it let's do it let's do it that's great yeah I really forced you into that I very much you did but you, you made me think of it but I've, I've brought my own ideas to the party I'm not completely suggestible okay <laughs> listen you're not completely suggestible uh, you uh, I, you easily could have been like, no, you didn't. No, 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 you didn't do that. You're like, yes, you 100% did force me. Uh, okay, listen, I got to rip this Band-Aid off myself because I always feel bad doing this uh, when it's when somebody is has some significant other that I know and love. But all due respect to Travis, let's get three romantic interests for your alternate universe. It could be a character, a cartoon, a person of any age, living or dead, you know, any, it's really the sky's the limit. Oh, man. Travis is going to... He knows this. Great. Captain America. Great. If Captain America was a real person... Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. I'd be all over that. Yeah. Um. Let's see. And then I'm going to also... Hmm. We need to get... We need to get like a, a classic in there. I'm going to say Gene Wilder. Oh, He great. was a cool kid. Absolutely. And... Hmm. We have one real person, one not real person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's go for. Oh no, my mind is blanking now. <laughs> I thought you were going to say clearly we have to go with a cartoon because now I've gone with. Yes, I'm. I'm thinking yeah. of cartoons. Mm-hmm. I'm looking around my husband's office <laughs> at all of his his various bobblehead and fun things uh-huh. and deciding. <laughs> Are any of these any of these worth it? Hmm. Yeah. Are any of these bobbleheads worth it? <laughs> I would pick a bobblehead Batman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, let's see. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Oh man. Ooh, the fox from uh Robin Hood? Robin Hood. Oh my god. You are not the He's first person to man. say that. Sexy, sexy dude. Yeah, you are not the first person to say that. It makes me very happy when people are able to cross over into, because I feel like the example I gave when someone said that was, I was like, listen, I love those centaurs in Fantasia. I just thought that was like the hottest thing ever. Like really, logically think through that, Janet. Um, Okay, Uh, next category, three three talents uh that you do not currently you've not currently cultivated that you wake up with tomorrow uh and you're just you know sort of an expert at could be practical stuff like fixing a computer or you know knowing languages whatever hmm okay um let's see you know, it it seems like I should know how to do this with all of my theatrical stuff. Juggling. I can't juggle me at all. neither, despite many attempts at teaching me. Yes, I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. I have very poor depth perception. I'm not good at catching or throwing or any of those outdoor kid things. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say juggling. Great. I'm going to also say, um, Can can I make like like a generalization of like mechanical repair yeah absolutely yeah i'm gonna say that but just you know the mechanically minded yes repair same 
Um, because I usually just hit things. Mm-hmm. Does it, did that fix it? Does well, that the problem is now? that every once in a while it does. So that just enforces <laughs> the behavior. Yeah. And then let's give let's give a real outdoorsy thing. Um, how about horseback riding? Great. That's an outdoorsy thing that I wish I could do and be good at. Yeah, I know. Same. These are good. These are all going to come in very handy. Uh, oh, nice. When you have your nice. when you have your production company. Uh, um, okay. Next category: three foods that, in this reality, are uh, not something you can consume uh, great amounts of. Whether it's for you know sort of moral reasons, you have an allergy, it's fattening, uh, it's too hard to come by, anything like that. In this alternate universe, all of those things go away. Uh, and you can have whatever you want at the snap of your fingers in perpetuity with zero negative ramifications. Oh, amazing. This is my jam. I love food. Great. Um, I'm going to say, first of all, chocolate ice cream. Great. I'm mildly lactose intolerant, but I eat it anyway Mm -hmm. because it's delicious. Understood. And then, um, hmm. I am a little basic and I really like hot dogs. I wish that I could eat more hot dogs, um, but they're really not good for you. No. Well, guess what? In this universe, if you end up with hot dogs, you're home free. And let's go for something decadent like, ooh, what one of the things I really love is is marrow bone marrow. Oh yeah, like you know, mm-hmm. yep. But it it's hard to come by. It's expensive, and it also you know you don't want to eat that fatty stuff like every day. Yeah, yeah. But it's really good. Well, it is on uh, the list. Uh, great. Okay, three places in the world that you would like to have a vacation home if getting there were no headache whatsoever. This is easy, Hawaii. Great. Um, the Highlands of Scotland. Oh, get in line. Nope, there's no line. Uh, I'm just saying that. There's I, I no line. Agree. I would agree. <laughs> and someplace like, let's say, oh, Dubai. Great, 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 great. That surprised me. That third one came out of nowhere for me. Uh, amazing. It, seemed, it seems very luxurious. I've never yeah, been for there. for sure, for sure. Uh, I, I want to reassure you that I believe that people on the amazing race just recently went there so um the, <gasps> wow. the amazing race is alive and well in dubai uh okay final category let's do mm-hmm. i always put a lot of pressure on myself for this last one for no reason whatsoever uh, okay. <laughs> final category is going to be three well, let's do three alternate uh, realities for you where you have this sort of totally other um, career uh, of some kind. Okay. Like me with my precious children's rep. Yes. Yes. I'm going to say that my my totally other career would probably would have been at some point um, a a teacher. Yep. I don't, I don't know what, what year I would have taught, but it was probably going to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's go ahead and go for it, ballerina. Great. I wanted very much to be a ballerina when I was younger. Um, and then uh, 
let, let's let's keep some themes going. We're going to say chef. Great. I kind of thought you were going to say that. I guess it's because we b- both really like food. I would just love to be able to whip up something fantastic. I know. Food is so great. Ugh, food I'm is really great. good at finding like little things, like making a meal from a pantry mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. things that I have. Same. But not like gourmetness. Like yeah. this will do. Yeah. I have I have some rice. I have this. I have that. Yeah. I can mush this together to make a meal. Yeah. But I'd really like to be able to actually like create, like cultivate a meal, like menu thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. But there is something also satisfying in being like, look, aren't you surprised at how good this is? I, I didn't have to yeah. go out and get anything. <laughs> I just scrambled this together. Uh, yep. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do my little quick squiggle. So, you know, I just got to get my number to work off of. So uh, just tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay, great. Uh, While I do uh, some very mild factoring here, uh, I have decided I've sort of been with my remote records just rather than putting uh, Julian through pausing and and having to resync. I will just do this while you, if you don't mind, uh, tell our wonderful listeners who probably already know and love you, but where they can find you and uh, what they're up to and what they should be listening to and all that good stuff. Great. Well, um, you can find me as the wife host of Schmanners. We have a Twitter, which is at SchmannersCast. That's where we put out the call for all of our episodes. So we will ask for uh, questions where we will give you, hmm, I'm not going to say questionable, but, you know, <laughs> gentle, que- gentle advice. Uh-huh. And then um, you can also email us topics at schmannerscast at gmail.com. Hey, we also have a really great fan-run Facebook group, which I love to spy in, um, of people giving and getting excellent advice from other Schmanners fans. If you go to um, McElroy.family, you can find all of the great stuff that we do. There's some video content. There's like tours. There's merch. It's all there. It's like a one-stop shop. And you can also um, check us out at MaximumFun.org. A lot of the McElroy shows are on MaxFun. Yes, they are. I'm glad that there's a hub. I'm glad there's a hub. And I am sure I'm not the first person to say this, but... I do kind of wish there were like a hee-haw style variety show that somehow featured all of the <laughs> wonderful and charming McElroy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't listen. It doesn't have to be like everybody plays an instrument. It could be just a weird. I mean, I guess it's kind of what Travis does when he puts together his shows. So maybe I'm just saying right, I want yes. that to be like a, a, a hee-haw type show. Uh, okay. I am going to give you your uh, 100% guaranteed fictional MASH future. I am very pleased, very pleased with these outcomes. I think you're going to be very, very, very happy as well. Number one, I want to congratulate you on your mansion in Hawaii. Listen, that is no small feat. That is a big deal. Uh, Congratulations. I can only assume that with a mansion, you have a a, a beautiful, beautiful kitchen that allows you to create all of the wonderful inventions that you uh, are able to do as a chef. Uh, if and whenever you want. But listen, don't let that stop you from eating all the hot dogs you want because there is (laughs) nothing bad about that in this alternate universe. Not one bad thing about eating hot dogs in perpetuity. Maybe in Hawaii, they're spam hot dogs. In Hawaii, they probably are a wonderful spam hot dog. Uh, I'd like to see you juggling some hot dogs. 
Mm-hmm. I want to reassure you that you will not drop a single dog as you are a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful juggler. Uh, my guess is that's probably what attracted Captain America to you to begin with. Was <laughs> your hot dog juggling skills. He came for the hot dog juggling. He stuck around for your cooking, your wonderful cooking, and your beautiful mansion in Hawaii. Uh, it's an all-American treat. It's an all-American I mean, not really, treat. It's, it it's really is. German. It really is. And yet we've, we've made it our own. We've made it our, made our, it our own, own. Uh, sports arena fair. Uh, I also want you to rest assured that you can enjoy all the cartoon food you could ever want in cartoon <laughs> Paris as uh, your vacation into Ratatouille whenever you want. Um, you uh, have somehow managed to do a phenomenal job as Eliza in Hamilton. And you uh, I, it, somehow in, in your free time, you, you've done an extraordinary job with uh, the, the set of The Jungle Book, uh, with the scene design and the production design of The Jungle Book. So you've done I'm us so all a service. I'm so accomplished. This is very, very impressive uh, dossier. And, uh-huh. uh, and that completes uh, not just your MASH universe, but our podcast together. I have had a pleasure and a joy of a time doing it and you are my final uh lady guest before we jump into our boys of summer series so uh thank you for being uh part of this watershed moment <laughs> it does not qualify as a watershed so moment for having but me. uh it felt like you you it seemed like it was uh it was it was just a total no-brainer that you would t- take us into our boys of summer so thank you so much uh Teresa, and the rest of you i will talk to you next time on the podcast The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.